Amen. If you would take your Bibles this morning, turn to Philippians. Philippians in chapter number 2. And we're going to be looking at the first 11 verses there. As you find your way there, I do want to... Uh, there are some announcements that I need to make this morning to make sure that they're on the live stream. Normally, by the time we make announcements, the live stream is off. And so... Uh, there are a few things just this morning. Briefly, as you're finding your place there, there will be a church financial meeting tonight just to give a report of the second quarter and year-to-date numbers uh, through the end of June. And then also, uh, next Saturday, August the 14th, will be the next meeting of our class for the walk. Uh, and so if you're in, involved in that, then you'll want to have, I believe it's lesson five that needs to be done as you come into class on next Saturday. Uh, and then Faith Bible Institute, the fall semester begins a week from tomorrow on the 16th. And so uh, if you're interested in that, see Brother JP and he can help you with that as well. Uh, and then on August the 29th, we'll celebrate our church's 49th anniversary. Uh, and so we'll have a, a meal and just kind of a potluck type of a fellowship after the service on that Sunday morning. Uh, and then we'll have sign-up sheets out in the lobby within the next week or so, probably by next Sunday. Uh, the church will provide the meat and then the sides. I realize a lot of folks will not feel comfortable to stay uh, in, in, with a lot of people in the fellowship hall. And that's perfectly understandable. And so you do what you need to do for your family. But we don't want to let the day pass without an opportunity to just stop and thank the Lord. Uh, for what he's done here over the last 49 years. And so uh, no one's feelings will be hurt if you don't, if you feel like it's not safe for you to be there. But if you do feel comfortable and you'd like to stay in fellowship a while, uh, and then Brother Trevon will be preaching a brief, a brief message in the, in the afternoon following that, and that will be our evening service for that Sunday. And so keep that in mind. Uh, it seems like it's a long time off, August 29th, but it's really not that far away. And so it's going to be here before you know it. Uh, and so keep those things in mind. And so it's, uh, uh, it's just good to stop and re rejoice in what God has done over the years. And we thank God for all that he is doing uh, and has done. And so praise the Lord for that. It's good to see some folks able to be here today that haven't been able to get out in quite some time. It's great to see the Bartlett's uh, up and about moving around. And so they've been uh, locked in a long recovery battle with COVID and so it's good to see them feeling better and able to be up and to move around. He's not quite ready to run a marathon but he's doing better and so praise the Lord and God bless you folks for being here this morning. It's good to see a brand new wall in the service this morning as well uh, and so praise the Lord for new life and for all that God does and uh, others of you that have guests it's great to see you here. Some of our college students are in for a few weeks for uh, they go back in between serving internships and working jobs away and then before they go back to the fall semester. And so uh, some of them, I think you might get to see them one more week. I think today's Lena's last week that she can be here before she goes back to her teaching job in Maryland. So make sure you get around and make sure that you let them know how good it's been to see them. And that we'll look forward to uh, what God has in store for them in the days ahead. And so, but it's good to see each one of you this morning. In Philippians chapter number two. And we're going to look here at the first 11 verses. We are going to uh, move around in the scriptures uh, quite a bit this morning. Uh, and so be prepared to kind of jump back and forth from the Gospels all the way through Revelation. So we're going to look at several passages this morning. Uh, but Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That should be the description of every New Testament church. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I want to speak this morning very simply on this thought, the name of Jesus. And let's pray. Father, as we come this morning one more time and ask your blessing and ask your empowerment and Lord, ask you to open hearts. I pray that you would do in each life this morning what needs to be done, that you would help us to recognize and realize that you are more than just a fashion statement, that you're more than just a gimmick to rally people around a cause or into an assembly but that you are, in fact, the great God of heaven. And what I pray that you'd help us to look at you as you are, and to see you in that light, and to, Lord, exalt you as your Father has exalted you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our nation just celebrated its 245th birthday, I believe. As we look at uh, back over the years for all of our history, our nation has begun sessions of Congress, uh, public school meetings, public ceremonies of all types, state assemblies, inaugurations of presidents. We could go on and on. They're begun and opened with an invocation, a prayer, an acknowledgement to God, an acknowledgement that we are a nation under God. Our nation was founded on the bastion of religious liberty. And we are certainly a people nationally of many faiths. For most of these 245 years, preachers of all faiths have been invited to pray at these events, many times on a rotational basis, sometimes other criteria is used to select them. As they come and they pray, they pray according to their faith. About probably about 35 or 40 years or so ago now, there was a, an agenda that swept the nation in the 90s known as political correctness. When political correctness came on the scene, we as a nation became more concerned about, about offending our fellow man than we are about offending God in heaven. And since the 1960s, Christians have accused secular society of trying to railroad God out of every element of, public, of the public arena. We base that assessment upon obvious attacks against our faith. The war against the Ten Commandments, the removal of the Bible and prayer from our public schools and institutions, 
Other similar attacks, such as the war on Christmas and the resurrection and things of that nature, those efforts uh, to censor religious, the, all things religious, especially Christian religiosity, uh, from the public square have been front and center. However, upon closer scrutiny, I would suggest that we've overstated our case somewhat. That it seems to me when you watch sporting events and you listen to the public speakers of the day, that the world has once again grown comfortable with the idea of God and acknowledging God in some form. He's mentioned, players will point to the air to acknowledge a God. Others will uh, relish religious symbols that they've held in their, in their past faith. The hatred really isn't about God in general. The hatred is not focused on, uh, on all religious notions. The reality is this morning that when you look really close, there's only one God that the world has a problem with. There's only one name that they hate and despise. And that hatred is focused upon one symbol, one person, one name, the name that they one day must confess, the name that one day they must bow to, the name Jesus. The name Jesus appears 942 times in the New Testament. The person of Jesus is woven through all 66 books of the Bible. From cover to cover, when you look and you study the Word of God, there's one central figure that emerges, and his name is Jesus. I'm saying this morning that the world can run from him, the world can shun him, the world can try to censor him, the world can lie about him, the world can try to minimize him, but it cannot deny him. We look and we understand this morning that he is known and he will be known. The church today, in many cases, has cheapened him. We have dishonored him by embracing and exalting his humanity as the essence of all that he is to make him more palatable and socially acceptable to the world around us and the pragmatic notion that somehow by cheapening and minimizing the deity of Christ and the power of Christ and the holiness of Christ uh, that we have, uh, will be able to reach the lost. But the true church will exalt his deity and worship him as our king. He is not someone that can be dismissed. He is not to be cheapened. He is to be lifted up and exalted. In Matthew chapter number 17, uh, in verse number 5, the Bible tells us as he's here, uh, And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. May I suggest this morning that the Father in heaven knows him. We understand this morning that they are one. We understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one entity in three persons. May I suggest to you this morning that the Bible makes it very clear that the Father in heaven knows and loves and has exalted his Son, Jesus Christ. The Father knows him this morning. He is not a mystery to him. 
He is not someone that is just uh, a, a name to be worn on a t-shirt, but he is a name to be exalted and a God uh, to be revered and to be loved. And we see that not only does the Father know him, but in Mark chapter 1 in verse 13 as he has been tempted of Satan and he is then cared for uh, as he's uh, as he's in the aftermath of that fasting in verse 13 it says and he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted of Satan and was with wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. May I suggest this morning that not only does God in heaven know him but the angels know him. The angels minister to him. The angels wait for his call. The angels respond to his touch. The angels meet and ministered in this life to him in his need. There is no doubt this morning that heaven knows the Savior, that heaven knows the Son of God, that heaven meets and attended to his needs on this earth, and they are listening uh, to his beckoning call uh, as he sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven. Not only this morning can I say that the Father knows him. And not only this morning do we acknowledge that the angels know him. But may I suggest to you this morning also that the devils know him. That the demons of hell know him. They don't wonder who he is. They don't disguise or, dis or, or try to uh, change the concept of that notion uh, when it comes to dealing with him on their level. They understand uh, exactly who Jesus is in Acts chapter 19. In verse number, uh, in, in verse number, let's see here, 15. Acts chapter 19 and verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And we can do all we want. We can deny all he want. The culture can deny. Society can deny. Uh, at times the, even Christianity can deny that Jesus is God and that he must be high and lifted up and exalted a name above every name. But the devils know and fear and tremble. There is no mystery to them. May I say this morning, not only does the Father know him, not only do the angels know him, not only do the devils know him, but his children know him. And if we come and we understand this morning as uh, if we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that, uh, that God is our Father in heaven, that Jesus is our Savior, that we is the great shepherd and we know him. And John's uh, gospel in chapter number 10 and verses 3 and 4, it says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. May I suggest to you this morning that as a child of God, when my Savior speaks, I should hear and know and recognize his voice. I shouldn't have to wonder who it is. I shouldn't have to wonder if he's real, I come simply acknowledging the truth that God is who God said that he would be. Are we here this morning? If I didn't know any better, I think I was preaching to a group of atheists this morning. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be lifted up and exalted. Christians ought to get a little bit excited about the name of Jesus. We ought to come and understand all that God has done in our life and that God is working uh, in our hearts and, and doing what must be done and what needs to be done in the world around us to fulfill his will. That ought to get us a little bit excited about who and what Jesus is. May I suggest this morning uh, that at the name of Jesus, heaven will bow.
No one can just stand by. No one can hide forever. No one can dismiss him inadvertently that as we come and we look at who and what Jesus is, we must come to the realization that one day uh, we will stand not just before him, but that we will kneel and that we will bow before him. In Revelation chapter number 5, uh, in verse, in verse, beginning in verse 11, the Bible tells us there, And I beheld. And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. As we look this morning, we come to understand that heaven will bow that there will be no escape, that there will be no avoidance. Uh, years ago, in the, uh, there was an old hymn written at the name of Jesus that said, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess him, king of glory now. Praise and adoration to the living word who from the beginning was the mighty Lord. Humbled, at, humbled for a season in the form of man. Left his throne in glory, suffered as the lamb. On the cross of Calvary, dying in our place. Jesus paid the ransom through his matchless grace. We should all adore him, give to him our praise. In our hearts enthrone him and follow all his ways. Praise the King of Heaven. Holy is His name. He will come in power all His own to claim. Let us love and serve Him, we who are His own. Tell of His salvation, make His glories known. By His grace be faithful in, his final, in this final hour. Trust Him for the victory through His might and power. Do you understand this morning that because Jesus Christ is the great God of heaven and because he is worthy of our praise and worship that there is no sin that can overcome you that there is no sin that should beset you that there is no sin that should overwhelm us that we should come before him and worship and praise and glory because his power is real and he has conquered death and hell. When we come and we look this morning we understand that at the name of Jesus heaven will bow. When I say that this morning, I mean this. Every angel will bow before the King of Kings. Every angel that surrounds his throne. Every angel that has exalted his name. Every angel that has, has sang his praise. That has visited earth to carry his message. That has attended to him and his needs in <coughs> ministry. As a man, uh, as he walked amongst us. Uh, that every angel will bow. There will not be one that's exempt. There will not be one that tries to avoid, but they will come and they will bow in adoration to him. May I remind us this morning that every prophet will bow. 
When we look back through the annals of Scripture and we see a great Elijah, that Elijah will bow. When we see Elisha, we understand that Elisha will bow. And we look at Moses and we come and think, well, what a great thing it's going to be to see such a great and awesome and powerful and used of, a man used of God like Moses was. But when you look around and you can't see him, it may be because he's bowing before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can take Jeremiah, we can take Isaiah, we can take all the prophets of old, the ones that are named, the ones that are unnamed, the ones that died a natural death, the ones that were sacrificed as martyrs for the cause of Christ. And when we come into heaven, though they certainly will be rewarded by their father, what we'll find is that none of them are the ones to whom we will bow, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ to whom they bow. The one that they preached, the one that they followed, the one that empowered them, the one that called them, the one that gave them grace to die, the one that gave them grace to preach, the one that led them every step of the way. What will they do when they come into his presence? presence, they will bow before him. Heaven will bow this morning. Every saint will bow. No Christian would dare stand whenever Jesus comes into their presence. No Christian would dare stand when they're brought into the presence of the King. We come to him and we love him and we look to him and we understand his sacrifice and we understand his position and power. And we come and we realize this morning that when we get there, we come understanding that every saint will bow, that every prophet will bow, that every angel will bow before the King of Kings. Why? Well, first of all, because he's the foundation this morning. Everything in this life is built upon him. Everything that we endure is built on the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Bible tells us that we and are built upon, or back up to verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being that chief cornerstone. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, in verse number 11, uh, he tells us uh, much the same uh, when he says, For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Why is he worthy? Why will we bow? Why uh, in this life do we see him exalted, knowing his voice? He is our foundation. He is our salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number 11, he tells us, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. He is our salvation in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 15. He tells us, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. He did not die for the few. He died for the masses. He gave himself on Calvary's cross, a foundation stone to be built, to build a life upon, to build eternity upon, when our hearts have been given to him and we've accepted his salvation. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 tells us that we're to be looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the 
right hand of the throne of God. Why is he worthy? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. I could not begin it. I cannot continue in it. I cannot do it on my own. I can only live in Christ Jesus. I can only exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I come to the realization, as I begin to look around and think, uh, perhaps that this person's a good person or I'm a good person or we're worthy of some uh, honor when we come and we realize that we're worthy of nothing uh, but we have been allowed to come into the presence of our Father and when we do we will bow before Him. Heaven will bow this morning. Not only will heaven bow but the earth will bow. It can't be exempted. The very earth that He created will kneel and bow before Him. The whole earth will exalt and, uh, and, and lift up the name Jesus. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2 it says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were as a noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and the crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. May I suggest this morning that earth will bow, that every king that's ever sat upon a throne will bow, that Nebuchadnezzar will bow, that Adolf Hitler will bow, that Mussolini will bow, that Lenin will bow, that Stalin will bow, that Zhao Xiangping will bow, uh, that you look at the unfamily of Korea, North Korea, they will bow. And you can look throughout history, Alexander the Great, the Caesars of Rome, the kings of England, no matter what has, what has transpired, no matter what nation of the world, no matter how empowered they were at the time and the day of their lives, that when it comes down to it, every king will bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords. May I suggest this morning as earth bows that while every king is bowing that every atheist will bow. Stephen Hawking will not be mute and he will not be unable to stand. He will have to stand, he will have to stand and acknowledge and bow before the king of kings and lord of lords. You can take the vilest of the vile and you can take the Charles Darwins of history and you can, uh, you can lift them up on this life and in this earth as much as, uh, as the world would lift them. But when it's all said and done and Jesus Christ comes back with that bow and wearing that crown, defeating and conquering all that they've built and all that they've stood for and all that they've exalted, that they will bow before him. Not only will every atheist bow and every king bow, but every enemy of the cross will bow. Every enemy defeated. And we look out and we look at the wickedness of kings and we look at the wickedness of those that would, uh, that would so heartily go after the things of God. But my friends, the most dangerous enemy is the enemy within. The enemy that sits in the pews amongst us. The enemy that embraces the culture and the customs of this world. The enemy uh, that cheapens the name of Jesus. That, uh, that drags Jesus down to man's level. That minimizes uh, his power and his glory and his authority. That cheapens the existence of the very Savior. That every enemy, whether overt or whether covert, will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. The earth will bow. The heaven will bow. And may I say this morning that hell will bow. So, Pastor, how could hell bow? Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 18, Jesus speaking to John as John uh, is trembling at the mere sight of him. And back up to verse 17, and when I saw him, John said, I fell at his feet as dead.
And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. May I say this morning that hell will bow. That Jesus has the keys. That there is no wondering. There is no blocking him. There is no preventing him from coming and going as he chooses. From casting those in whom he's declared would be cast in. Uh, and doing what's necessary. What Jesus has proclaimed will happen. He has the keys. Satan will be chained and bound for a thousand years in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he bound him. And when it was time for him to be lifted back out, he lifted him back out and released him for a time until that final judgment in verse 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast of the false prophet and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne. May I suggest this morning... That all of creation, that all of eternity will not commence without, uh, into that final age, without everything and everyone that is and has been bowing to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So pastor, they're being judged and banished for eternity. And they will kneel and bow before the King of Kings and the God of Gods as they are cast into that lake of fire for rejecting his gift of salvation. Hell will bow. The earth will bow. Heaven will bow. I can bow in love and adoration now for eternity. Or I can be forced to my knees whenever I come before him in judgment. I can bow later in fear and trembling. Or I can see his holiness and his righteousness and his, uh, and his magnificence now and bow in fear and trembling. Isaiah bowed in fear and trembling when he was brought into a vision of the throne room. Others throughout history uh, have, uh, have bowed and have feared and trembled in a godly and righteous way as they were brought into the presence of him. Uh, they have listened to the word of God proclaimed or the message of God sung in song and just felt a tremble come over their body as they got a vision in their mind's eye of how great and how powerful and how awesome the Lord Jesus Christ is. And though the world and the church at large minimizes him, the God of heaven has exalted his son and has lifted him up. Will we choose him this morning? Will we love for him this morning because Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever. There is no removing him. There is no uh, stealing away his power or his glory because God has lifted him up. They understood Isaac Watts did in the 1700s when he wrote Jesus shall reign uh, where, where the sun does successive uh, and its successive journeys run his kingdom spread from shore to shore till moons uh, shall wax and wane no more from north to south the princes meet to pay their homage 
at his feet. While western empires own their Lord and savage tribes attend his word. To him shall endless prayer be made and endless praises crown his head. His name like sweet perfume shall rise with every morning sacrifice. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love and his love with sweetest song. And an infant voices shall proclaim the early blessings on his name. Let every creature rise and bring honor and glory to our king. Angels descend with songs again and earth repeat the loud amen. When we come and we realize all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done and all that God has promised, we cannot step but step back and look and stand in awe and reverence of the magnificence of the great God of heaven. Revelation chapter number 11 in verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There's no changing that fact. There's no denying it. There's no avoiding it. My question this morning as we conclude the message are simple. Have I bowed to him? Have I accepted him as my savior? Have I placed my faith and trust in him? My friends, you can choose to reject him now, but you cannot choose not to kneel before him when you come into his presence. I can choose to live my life for me, but I cannot choose to stand when I come into his presence. I can exalt a minimized image of Christ to the masses or I can present him high and lifted up upon his throne for the ages. I can honor him in everything that I do or I can honor and exalt mankind but when the time comes Jesus will be exalted. Man will be dethroned and I can no longer sit on my own, the throne of my own life when I'm brought into his presence. And if I would allow God to bring me into his presence now, I could be dethroned in this life and God could reign supreme. And I could have victory over sin. And I could live in empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I could lead a life that makes a difference for the cause of eternity and the, and the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is my motivating factor this morning? Who is the Jesus that I serve? Is he just a name printed on a t-shirt? Is he just initials printed around a wristband? Is he just uh, an idea uh, that's something for me to rally my life around? Is he just a way... Uh, uh, to, uh, to earn a living or he is he our God and our king and our savior one day the fish of the sea will cry out and speak and praise God one day the beasts of the field will cry out and speak and praise the name of Jesus one day uh, one day uh, the birds of the air will stop and sing praises and homage to the Lord Jesus Christ and it's a shame that Christians today are waiting for the birds and the, uh, and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea to demonstrate for us what worship looks like when we should be the epitome of what Christ is exalted and lifted up. May we be a people that are blinded to the things of this world by the brightness of the holiness of the God that we serve. May we come and stand before him until we get that glimpse of his and that vision of him and we're forced to our knees as we worship and honor him. So pastor why would 
God wants so much because God is so much. Because he is all that we need and all that ever will be. Because he is the great king of kings and lord of lords. Now I would say this morning as we look here and consider the name of Jesus. That if you've never embraced the name of Jesus Christ this morning, if you've never surrendered yourself from your sin to him, if you've never sought his forgiveness and accepted the gift of his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross and payment for your sin, you can wait and you can bow in the time of judgment or you can bow now and you can have his power and blessing. As a Christian, you can wait and you can live for you and you can embrace the things of this world and you can go out and religify everything in your life so you feel better about it or you can stop and you can bow and you can let God rule supreme there's not a matter there's not even so much as a question as to whether or not Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's not disputable. It won't be a choice. It will be the reality of the power that emanates from his throne as we stand before him. Our natural response, saved, lost, angel, demon, will be to bow. To confess, Jesus is king. Is he the king of your life this morning? Is he the decision maker? Is he the value setter? Is he the motivating force behind you? Or is he just someone that you try to work into your busy schedule? Because it's the culturally appropriate thing for you to do. He is not satisfied. He is not pleased. And he cannot be exalted until I make him preeminent in my life. Until I recognize not just that he is my king, but when I live my life in a way that honors my king. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Every knee will bow.